it really does mean a lot. Uh, let's go and now talk to the managing editor, senior editor of 14, Southeastern 14, that is, Blake Lovell. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBlakeLovell. Covers all things SEC. Blake, first off, thanks so much for jumping on with us. You got it, gentlemen. Good to talk to you as always. Absolutely. Now, uh, you heard a little bit as we were kind of winding it up for you there. Uh, Alabama taking that loss against Oklahoma over the weekend. What does that loss do for a team like that? Well, I think it's hard to know just from that one game. And the reason I say that is because I think that, and I've said this all last couple of days, I think this week actually tells us exactly what it means for Alabama because they haven't had a game like that this season. And you're talking about a team that, you know, I think a lot of people, not just me, but we're making the case for is maybe the favorite to win it all up until that game. Um, the two losses they had to UConn and Gonzaga, they, they weren't like that. They, they weren't like the Oklahoma game. And so it's the first time we've seen it happen that way. And I think the, the big thing to me is like they have two games this week where on paper they are at least 15 points better than Vanderbilt. They may be 20 points better than LSU because um, they beat them by 40 the first time. And so I want to see how they respond against those two teams because – if they come out and, you know, struggle and barely beat Vanderbilt or who knows, right, upset Vanderbilt or LSU, one or the other, um, then I think we have serious concerns about Alabama. You wonder if this is just a trend that's beginning. Because remember, too, it wasn't just the Oklahoma loss. They struggled against Mississippi State. They managed to come back and win, but they didn't play great there either. So I think how they play this week will tell us a lot more about whether they've hit a, you know, that was just an outlier or maybe they've just really started to hit a bump in the road here. Well, you mentioned Vanderbilt tonight uh, against Alabama. That one, Vegas thinks that it, maybe it was a bump in a road. 15 and a half is the spread in that game. Do you think that's telling at all, or is that just we're just going to leave it to Vegas making picks? Well, I think I think you're just looking at the game on paper. You go back to the first game, what was it, a couple weeks ago now, guys, they were here, and I mean – it winds up being a 12-point game. Let's be honest. It's like a 20-something point game at one point um, midway through the second half. And, you know, I, I think if you just look at the matchup, I just think, you know, Vanderbilt does not match up well with Alabama. And I feel like that's just kind of what it comes down to. And now you take Vanderbilt on the road. And, you know, I just – I feel like that's kind of what this is when you look at it from a an odd standpoint um you would expect alabama to bounce back because that's just what you've seen from this team and you just know how talented they are and you can't imagine they're going to come back home and lose to a team they have no business losing to um you know and so i, I think that's it and and I, it really is just going to be very interesting because we talked about the theme all year vanderbilt seemingly plays everybody close look no further than their last game they go to a&m who's probably the third best team in the league right now and lose by six and certainly have their chances down the stretch so, I mean, I think that's just – Vanderbilt keeps everything close. So, I wouldn't be shocked if it happened. But I also wouldn't be shocked if this is the Alabama game where they just come out on a mission to prove that that Oklahoma game was nothing more than an outlier. Um, that's going to tell us what this team is because, you know, mindset's everything. And I'm curious to see what their mindset is coming into this one. Talking to Blake Lovell, managing editor for southeastern14.com. Covers all things SEC. You can follow him on Twitter at the Blake Lovell. Bruno Reagan, what do you got for Blake? Blake, I wanted to ask you about 
we're in SEC play for most teams, right? But this Oklahoma game was kind of a drop in the bucket. And it's it's interesting because Oklahoma will be SEC team, but compared to what we saw now, or excuse me, at the beginning of the season, to what we saw now, what does the conference of the SEC look like as a whole standing up to maybe a traditional giant like the ACC when we get a game like that where the SEC's best team, you know, kind of takes a thumping that normally a top yeah. two or three team doesn't take? Yeah, I mean, I think what we saw specifically from this challenge was like, I mean, the Big 12 is clearly the best conference in the country. I, I don't think that's there's any debate about that. And, you know, we, we kind of knew that coming in, but I wasn't shocked that the SEC performed. I don't want to say as poorly as they did. I, I think the reason why you may view it's disappointing. I don't think it's necessarily poor outside. Of, I mean, how it's interesting because Alabama probably had the poorest performance of the group, which is shocking because you would have never thought that. But, um, you know, I think you look at the Big 12 just from a strength standpoint, and every team in there is just really good. And it's like even the teams at the bottom. Texas Tech, I guess you could say, they had this long losing streak, but they beat LSU. And the SEC net right now in the pecking order, I think, is still behind the Big 12, still behind the Big 10 this season. We're just talking this season. I think maybe the SEC is right there with the Big East. Um, I would – I don't know. I'd, I'd maybe put the SEC above the Big East a little bit. Uh, perhaps, but like the ACC, guys, the ACC has dropped to a point where I don't know where you put them in the pecking order because I think you can make a case for all four of those conferences I just said ahead of the ACC right now because, you know, Duke's not necessarily the Duke team you would expect. North Carolina, you know, has struggled a little bit, um, playing better now, but I mean, Clemson's leading the league and it's like, and that's not a knock on Clemson. It's just kind of, I don't know. Like, I don't think they have the depth in that league right now that we're used to seeing in the ACC. So the SEC is kind of an interesting spot this year where, you know, I, I don't think it's a bad league, but I think it's just kind of – it's not to the level of Big 12, and we didn't need a challenge even to tell us that. Uh, but I also think it's, it's still maybe a little bit beyond where the ACC has dropped to, which I don't know if the ACC kind of – I don't know when they turn things around, to be honest with you, because – um, again, you look at those kind of teams near the bottom, it's just the conference is kind of lacking a lot of that sort of top tier national championship type teams that we're used to seeing um, in the ACC, which, again, is usually carried by Duke and Carolina and those teams. But I just don't see a lot of those right now. I had a, I had a different question, but you kind of spurred another one. So I'd like to get both to you before I pass it back. Um does that kind of myth bust what people thought NIL, NIL might do, at least in college basketball? Because people thought, you know, the Dukes and the UNCs, they would just, the rich would just simply get richer. But now that's, that seems to be not the case. Is that fair? Okay. Well, and I think too, I think you tie in that and the fact that, you know, I feel like I've been saying this for a couple of years, but I think the transfer portal is just as big of an impact as anything because it's like used to, you know, you could say, well, you know, this guy has to go here to be able to, you know, be on a, a winning team or, or be able to be on a team that can make the, the championship or however you want to put it. Um, I just think that's not the case anymore. And, and NIL, like you said, you tie that into it where, look, is it, if you're good enough, like it doesn't really matter where you go, I think now, where, because th that money's at, now look, certainly some schools have more opportunities to provide that than others but i think just in basketball sense it is an interesting thought to think about because um you know whereas okay well surely all these the power is going to shift back in favor of these traditional 
you know, again, powers, let's use Duke and Carolina as an example, but, you know, and, and maybe they are the wrong example. Let me say that real quickly because they've just gone through coaching changes too. And it's kind of a different situation there, but I do think there's something to the fact that it's not as, as huge of an impact as maybe we would have thought initially um, just based on, you know, we're seeing, I mean, we always go back to this, don't we guys like Brandon Miller, right? We use him as the example because, you know, he's here locally and just all of a sudden just becomes a stud and now he's at Alabama, but, you know, everyone wanted that guy. I mean, who, who wouldn't. And so it's just one of those things where I think so many guys have so many more options, whether through the transfer portal, whether through NIL and, and everyone's catching up to that. Like it's not just the schools at the top that have that availability to, to give kids these resources NIL wise and all this other stuff. Like, and again, some people are gonna have more than others, but it is a very interesting dynamic that's been created in college basketball. And I, I don't necessarily I don't know that I ever see it kind of getting back to where it used to be because I think the transfer portal has opened up so many opportunities where you can go play anywhere you want right now. And, and, you know, any time, like that's just kind of the way it works. And, and then when you add NIL on top of it, there, there are plenty of opportunities out there that, that aren't just restricted to a select few. And I think that's just opened up the landscape to where every single season you can see just the changing nature of the teams at the top, even though, you know, teams have the best coaches are usually going to have a chance to be right there for the most part. My last question, we look at Tennessee and in all sports, football, baseball, basketball, they have kind of reached this, you know, upper echelon level. Now it's, it's been a rebirth of that university in all aspects, but baseball, they get knocked out early in the regional or super like right before Omaha football they just barely edge out the college football playoff and basketball even with you know these higher seeds they still haven't i don't think tennessee's ever been to a final four been past the elite eight and their last elite eight was what like 12 13 years ago or something so if rick barnes keeps having these elite teams but let's say they go out first or second round again where does that put them in his job kind of in the space yeah and and that that again goes back to i think Fan perception versus I don't I don't even want to use the phrase realistic expectations because like I do think it's realistic to expect Tennessee this season to get to a final four. I think it was realistic several years ago with Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield and that team. Um and they just they couldn't do it. And I'm sure Texas fans felt the same way, right? Some of his teams he had there. They're just thinking, well, maybe more of those teams should have got further. And and yet I say all that to say this. I think the understand, and I, I made this point to someone else, like let's, let's just compare Tennessee and Vanderbilt for a second. It's, it's completely different in terms of, you know, approach coaching wise, like all this, there's different differences, but I think what is sometimes taken for granted with Rick Barnes is the fact that if you look at Texas and you can look at the most recent history of Tennessee outside of what, I guess the 2020 team, I think sometimes we take for granted thinking that it's just easy to get to the NCAA tournament every year. Like, I think it's almost like, well, they should get there every year, but I don't think that that is the case. And, and you can, let's use Vanderbilt as an example, right? There's a program that was just, you know, going right along, getting to the tournament, maybe every year, every other year. Um, but just completely bottomed out. And Vanderbilt's not the only program that's done that. Look at South Carolina right now. Like that's a program final four, what, five, six years ago now, something like that, six years, completely bottomed out now. And like, I think sometimes you have to keep that in perspective of, well, we want to change because we think we need to get, we need to win it all. 
Well, I mean, that's the expectation that's been created by who? <laughs> it's been created by the guy that's there right now. Like he's he's gotten them to the point that where Tennessee feels like we've been number one before under Rick Barnes. We've been in the regular season, we've been the number one team in the country. But that we got to go higher than that. We have to get to the championship. Like we have to get to the final four. We have to make it to the second weekend, all those things. And I understand that part of it. But over the long haul, he's had seasons there of what, 27 wins, 31 wins, 26 wins. This year, I think they'll hit easily at the 25 plus mark. Um, I mean, you can take the risk, I guess, of going out and finding who's some who's going to replicate that uh, to get you to the point to where you can get to the final four uh, to put yourself in a, you know, a tournament position. But guys, a tournament is a tournament, right? Like there are so many random things in, in the course of a tournament. It's why we love it. Like it's why we we love seeing an 11 seed make it all the way to the elite eight. Like it just happens sometimes. And so people are always going to rock bar and sport. I get it. I understand. But at the same time, be careful what you wish for. If you're willing to, to take that and say, well, maybe eventually we need to make a change because Rick Barnes isn't getting us to the final four. Well, I get it, but you can also make that change and go really far in reverse because it kind of ties into what we just talked about, Bruno, like the transport portal every year you're starting over as a coach. And so every team can kind of start over every year. So if you make that change and you take that huge risk of saying, eh, maybe 27 wins winning the sec, but not getting the final four, that's not good enough. We've got to get to the final four. It's almost like Kentucky. Like it's kind of, it's the cow scenario where mm. at some point you got to figure out kind of, you know, there, there's a middle ground there somewhere guys, but it's a very complicated discussion. And I don't know, I, I get it, but Man, he's doing a pretty good job, I think. So you you segue really well into this last question, Blake. Uh, I I'm, we got to make it a little short here, though. But Lenardi has his bracketology out. Last four in is Kentucky. How quickly can that change for them? <laughs> it can change pretty quick because you know I thought the Kansas game was a big one because they needed another good win. But like now for Kentucky, I think it's avoiding the bad losses and. You know, they have the worst loss you could have against South Carolina. I just think now they just have to beat the teams they should beat. And then I think they'll pick up some other ones by default because a lot of their, their toughest games left are at home. They get Tennessee at home. They get Auburn at home. They get Arkansas at home. So I actually think Kentucky's going to be fine. Um, they're playing better. Didn't think they played bad against Kansas. But I, if you ask me right now, I think Kentucky gets in the tournament. Um, I just think that they're – you know, I say all that, they could lose at Ole Miss tonight. But they have to beat the teams they should beat, and then I think they just have to pick up a few more somewhere else at Rupp, which I think they'll do. Blake Lovell has been our guest managing editor for the southeastern14.com. You can check him out. There are a lot of daily SEC content, not just basketball, but everything going on SEC, especially baseball is right around the corner. I know you all are probably already fired up some great articles over there for that. Go check it out already over there at southeastern14.com. Thank you so much, Blake. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Good stuff from Blake. Love having our weekly chats with him, college basketball related. I really think there's no better mind in this area, in this market, to really talk about that kind of stuff. He, he just knows it back and forth and and even outside of this market. I mean, I would go around the – give me the contiguous United States. I'm taking Blake Lovell uh, over a majority of the names that you're going to throw at me when it comes to college basketball. But guy knows a lot of stuff, and he's always great with the knowledge base. Follow him on Twitter at TheBlakeLovell. All right, got to run to a break. If you want to jump in, 615-844-5600.
Good afternoon. Pretty busy we would expect out here on the South Loop. 65 stacked up at Metro Center at Rosa Parks. Heavy traffic volume now on 24 as you head out towards Murfreesboro through Rutherford County. Uh, building also I-40 into Wilson County. Just be careful with some radar down I-40 around 840. Snapdragon Hemp serving up lab tested top shelf hemp products across Tennessee. Log on now to snapdragon420.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. 